When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good afternoon to you. This is The Call. Ten stocks picked by you. Two experts over one hour. It's Tuesday, the 12th of July. Let's get right to it. We've got a great panel lined up for you today. David Novak from Wealthwise Education is here with me in studio. And we have Chris Conway from Marcus Today joining us remotely. Hey, guys, welcome to the program. Wonderful to have you along. Uh, David, a bit of a positive session today, but Mm. uh, what phase of the cycle do you reckon we're in? Oh, we're, we're in a very bear, or bearish phase, that's for sure, at the moment. And uncertain, uh, a lot of uncertainty is clearly uh, out, that's out there. And um, yeah, look, it's, there's a lot of things happening with the CPI numbers coming this yeah. week in the US. Um, earnings reports, quarterly earnings coming out in the US. That's a biggie. Uh, especially with the outlook statements and then we've got our earnings reports coming up in August so you know there's a lot of um, things you've got to be careful where you tread. Yeah right is that how you feel Chris right now particularly with earnings season here a few people have referred to it as dodging landmines at this stage. Yeah well we're waiting through confession season uh, as well and that has uh, thrown up a few surprises but uh, certainly in terms of uh, where we're at the cycle, I think GDP rolling over is the thing that everyone's worried about. It's It's gone from being an inflation problem to a, a growth and earnings problem, as David was just talking to. Uh, we'll start to see the impact of that probably uh, a bit later in this week as US companies, particularly the big banks, start to deliver results. The um, the big investment banks, that should make for very interesting, re- interesting reading. Uh, and then, of course, as we progress towards our earnings season as well. So, yeah, yeah like David says, there's a lot to be mindful of. And And um, it's tough out there at the moment, shall we say. Well, we'll see if we can find any shelter in any of these names over the next half hour. Brambles will be discussing for Hannah, JB Hi-Fi, BCI Minerals, IDP Education and Technology One. But our stock of the day today is Viva Energy. So it upgraded its outlook today. It now expects first half underlying earnings to come in at around $614 million after seeing a pop in sales and retail fuel volumes compared with the same period of last year. Chris Conway from Marcus Today, I'm going to start with you on our stock of the day, which is Viva Energy. I've had a few conversations around Viva lately, most of which have been very positive. Yeah, well, I've certainly been on the show, uh, not necessarily this one, but when I do my buy hold sales on uh, Friday with Andrew, I have featured Viva as a buy with some recency. And it's all about the um, the refining margins. Uh, and this was to be expected, but their refining margins uh, came in at about $31 a barrel, up from $8 a barrel previously. So they're their margins at the moment uh, down at that Geelong refinery are exceptional. That's driven a lot of this result. Um, the reason why I continue to like it moving forward, I mean, we must recognise that we might be at the peak in terms of those margins, but the retail side of the business has lagged, and they said that today as well, that it has, that has underperformed. That is likely to recover as there's more mobility, as people are out and about more, driving around more, and then picking up those goodies that they tend to do when they fill up their car as well. So uh, even if the refining margins do come off a little bit and that is the expectation let's be honest about that that they should make it up with the um the retail side of the business so as a whole i continue to like this one moving forward and have done for some time it's a buy let's find out what david thinks of viva because when i look at the chart over a five-year period look trading just off of the highs so is there more in this potentially yeah look uh, this is a great number that came out that they reported for the half year and the quarterly and as chris said you know the uh, the margins have improved quite dramatically so you know their outlook uh, statement is good as well so they you know their their ebit dies is um, they're projecting is going to be up 140% you know 640 million for the half year so if you look at the the market cap, four point three billion. I mean, this is this is not expensive at all. So this is this is a great buy, and it's uh, just under three percent fully franked yield. They might increase that with the this result, especially when they report in August. So uh, you know, 
it's and it's one of those stocks that are you know at the moment that you, it's hard to find out there but trending the right way which is up so the trend is your friend as well so this ticks this ticks every box in my, in my book so yeah look at it's a buy and we are off to the races with a double buy for the stock of the day which is viva energy let's continue on to see if we can uh, get any insight into these companies you've told us you'd like to know about for henna Brambles. No context around this one, David, so it's just an out and out. Do you like Brambles as an investment prospect? Um, what do you think? Yeah, look, quality business Brambles. I mean, the you know the share price hasn't, you know, if you look at the chart, first of all, you know, the, I look at trends. And, um, you know, it hasn't been stellar in terms of the, um, the trend here. It's been going pretty much sideways, as you can see there, since May. But look, the, the numbers here are good, especially if they pulled out of this uh, this deal with Costco. The with plastic uh, pallets. Plastic yeah. pallets, which means they preserve their capital and they're not going to spend, they're going to save, they're looking at spending up to $700 million on, on that project. So that's uh, now being pulled. Now, uh, you know, even though, you know, Costco might react to that, but, you know, it's only a small part. Costco only contributes a small part of their overall U.S. retail sales in Chet Pellets which is the bulk of their sales is about 52%, I think, is the US. So with the Aussie dollar being where it is, I mean, this is an undermining multiple as well. Uh, the general consensus out there is, you know, from about 15 brokers is around $12.20 for this stock. And you can see it's um, below that. So there's about, a, you know, probably another 10% upside here. But I think, look, it's a buy. Uh, I'm going to just come straight out and say it's a buy for me. And, um, you know, they're... they're their numbers are good here. Plus, you know, looking at a yield. If I'm looking at the dividend yield as well, um, you know, again, just under three percent. But that could easily be raised. But I think with the Aussie dollar being low, uh, with the supply issues out there, I mean, there's a high demand for their pellets, and mm -hmm. um, they've got this extra capital, so they might pay that out as a, a special div. Who knows? Or even a buyback. But um, yeah, I like it. Got it. It's a buy from David for Brambles, Chris. Are you a bit more concerned insofar as there will be a competitor that makes good on that Costco plastic pallets deal, which could undermine its business in the United States? Or was this a sound decision by management uh, to you know, not go all in on something that is a pretty expensive piece of work? Yeah, I would back management on this one, Nadine. They actually did about three years worth of research trying to come up with a suitable solution at an appropriate cost to make those plastic pallets. Um, the reason why Costco wanted them, I mean, it's, it's fairly obvious when you think about it, people were walking past the stuff that was stacked up in stores and when they were reaching for items, they were getting splinters. So they tried to develop these plastic pallets and they did, like I said, uh, many years of research and they couldn't crack it and they ultimately decided to walk away and the market liked the announcement. The, the stock rallied post the announcement. So the market was concerned that they were going to throw good money after bad. So I'm going to back David on this one. Um, we're straight out of the gates here. Two double buys. Uh, I like Brambles as well. The chart is starting to turn the corner. I know David likes to look at them as well, but it's starting to look pretty good for me. Um, their business is strong in Europe, Middle East and Africa and Asia Pacific. Uh, they get really good returns on their invested capital. Their margins are good. Their cash flow is good. Uh, and they've been helped undoubtedly by the fact that US lumber prices have fallen from about 1200 bucks in March and now they're sub $600. There was that period there where I think US timber or US lumber futures was going limit up every day for a about a week in a row. So um, that has uh, you know, abated some of the cost pressures. And like I said, underneath, they've got a pretty good business. Last time out, they uh, showed sales growth of 8%. The market was expecting seven. So they beat on that front as well. Um, and the brokers up and down the street, they all like it too. So uh, yeah, like I said, we're out of the gates with the double buy here. It's fun. Got it. I like it. Let's see what happens next. This one may be a bit more problematic. However, don't want to preempt anything. This is for Rita. It's JB Hi-Fi. She's saying, I've been reading about shorts and retail stocks like JB Hi-Fi. Is it still investment worthy or should I hold out until the cycle calms down? Because that's what it's been all about, isn't it, Chris? When you come to these discretionary retailers, a, there was a lot of spending in lockdown pandemic, pandemic lockdown. Also, we've got pressure being put on household balance sheets right, right now. So do you steer clear of the discretionary retailers or would you be making a mistake by throwing the baby out with the bathwater? This is a tough one, Nadine, because I love JB Hi-Fi as a company. I think they have exceptional management, but I can't escape the macroeconomic forces that are in play at the moment. So 
to directly answer Rita's question, I wouldn't worry too much about the shorts. Um, there's plenty of good companies that have a lot of short interest, but I don't think it is the right time in the cycle yet to be buying a JB Hi-Fi. There's been a couple of brokers recently up and down the street that have sort of just thrown a blanket um, over the whole discretionary retail space and downgraded price targets and downgraded stocks. And JB Hi-Fi is undoubtedly caught up in that as well. And then the May retail trade data showed consumer electronics were actually down 1.6% when that data was reasonable. So um, like I said, I love the company, just can't find a way to buy it right now. At the end of the day, higher interest rates, food inflation, fuel costs as we were just talking about, energy costs, uh, and the fact that the housing market is likely going to come off as well. It's just uh, it's just attacking the consumer from, from all sides. Uh, and I think a company like JB Hi-Fi means that you know what they sell big tvs uh, consumer electronics and all those sorts of things they're the things that people will either defer or simply not purchase altogether so um yeah like i said as much as i love the company i can't be a buyer at the moment but would you be holding it if you already hold it uh, yeah, well, uh, given it's come off from 55 into 40, if I'd held it to this point, um, I might continue to hold it because I'd back management in, but I wouldn't be going out and being a fresh buyer. Yeah, so I'll hold it best. Thank you. What do you think, David Novak from Wealthwise Education? Because I do note that one broker says, yes, the environment for retailers will deteriorate for the reasons we all have talked about. But it says that it looks cheap on a valuation measure and it has an attractive dividend yield, which I know that you keep a close eye on. So is there an attraction to JB Hi-Fi now that it's come down in price to just below that $40? Uh, look, I'm very much with Chris on this one again. Um, you know, it's it's that consumer demand cycle that we're talking about here, concerns for going forward of the big R word, recession. So people, you know, with high fuel costs and interest rates and, you know, people get concerned um, about spending. So this is the, the first area they, you know, they go to where they cut spending. So for that reason, I mean, if you just took it on numbers alone, you'd go, oh, it's a screaming buy, you know, but the trend as well has broken down because it's been going sideways for the last couple of years. If you look at, it's been a really nice sideways band. Plus you've got the lower Aussie dollar supply constraints again, that's going to raise input costs, lower their margins. So they've got margin compression issues in the, in the retail space. I mean, you just look at Harvey Norman, you know, I mean, these guys shot the lights out during COVID. You know, just people just went on spending spree online. And, you know, unbelievable um, where Harvey Norman, you know, paid, repaid half a billion dollars in debt during COVID from uh, sales. But look at their share price and their, if you look at their dividend yield, approaching 10% fully frank, this is what, close to seven, something like that, single digit earnings multiple. So, yeah, obviously there's a concern with the future outlook and the consumer demand. So right now I would be avoiding it. Um, Holding it, I, I don't know if I'd be a holder. Um, I'd be looking for something that's going to trend the other way, and you know that's you know a more cyclical. Um, you know, not right now. There's there's other opportunities. Put it that way. So you know, you got to just look at where, where where would you get the biggest bang for your buck right now, and it wouldn't be in this sector. You might get a technical bounce. But that trend right now, it's been a lot of damage we saw on that chart. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you're not going to try and catch a falling knife here. If you held it, then you would probably look to sell on a any sort of a technical rally. Because it's opportunity cost, right? Ex- Keeping your money in something like KB Hi-Fi. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Got it. So, definitely not a buy at the moment. Okay. BCI Minerals is next on the list. This one's for Aaron. I hope you're watching, Aaron, or listening, however you choose to consume this amazing content. But um, just a reminder, of course, that this is information only and it is not tailored to your own specific financial circumstances. Uh, but anyways, back to the question. Aaron says, could you please ask David Novak about BCI? It was his stock to change your life. Do you still rate it? <laughs> He's got a parcel, a small parcel of shares. Do you see continuing long-term promise for this company? He knows that it's a quite specky stock. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, when I recommended this was last year, of course, yeah. uh, when the fundamentals, well, the markets were completely different, um, you know, and, and um, there was a positive trend at that stage as well in the stock price. And like a lot of companies in the resource space, they're all being smashed. Uh, they, they came out with a recent update and it's really, you know, the, again, what the industry's facing is these high, you know, labour and fuel uh, costs. And and uh, supply constraints, uh, that's that's what's, so their, their cost analysis is for the project, for the Marty Salt, um, Salt and Potash mm-hmm. project, it's a tier one 
project. I mean, it's been funded by, you know, they've already got, already got the funding in place. They did a big capital raising last year. I mean, you've you've got uh, three major shareholders here. Roxby, there's also the Australian Superfund as well, which is the biggest super fund in Australia. It's got, um, I think, just under 14% or f- around that. Uh, Roxby has got about 39%. So there's three shareholders have 63% holding. So they're stable. They're long-term shareholding. I mean, look, the, the economic metrics have, metrics have changed, but they are looking at that. They're going to give a further update at the end of this month. But look, this is, um, if you, uh, when, when, the, um, when they did the, the, the study, um, it came out with, this is a $1.2 billion project. Mm-hmm. They've got about $200 million in the bank. It's got only a market cap of $300 million. I mean, I'm, I'd be surprised if this is not a takeover target, to tell you the truth. It's, it's $1.2 billion project. Now, of course, that increases with what they're saying with the cost. So it'd be interesting to see their update at the end of this month. Okay. But this is a 60 to 80 year multi-decade project that was forecast to deliver $260 million EBITDA with a net present value of 1.6 billion, and here you've got a, a market cap of, you know, and, and, and the Premier just uh, did a, a, a formal ceremony opening the project up. So they're 70% complete on the village at the end of April. So look, I like it down here. Um, it's too late to sell it. I mean, technically it should have sold it when it broke down below 40 cents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but down here, look, I would not be adverse to accumulating, but I'd wait till we get a further update. And they're also doing you know, some re-engineering to see what they can do to lower their costs and also, you know, but the, the metrics still look very good longer term. But so if you had Aaron, you were, you'd hold on to your small parcel. Yes, yeah, to a small parcel, yeah. but you know, there's no rush to go in and buy this. And you know, also the start update is extended a bit longer now to 2025. Mm-hmm. So you've got three years to wait. However, you know, we'll see, we'll wait okay. for the update. Good, now uh, I'd like to get your view there, Chris Conway on BCI Minerals. Yeah, I'll, I'll largely defer to David. He, he clearly knows more about this one than I do. Before coming on the show today, I hadn't actually covered this stock uh, previously. Um, I did take the same sort of talking points out of their notes, you know, delays to approvals, contractor mobilisation, labour shortages. They're all the things that have pushed up costs. But as David notes, it has done so for a lot of these um, junior miners or explorers, shall we say. Uh, and they've talked about a material increase in the um, in the capital cost estimates. It's all sort of normal stuff. It's all sort of par for the course for miners at this stage of development currently. What I would compare it to is something like a Liontown Resources in the lithium space. Same sort of thing. They've got the funding. They're starting to build the facilities and they've got a start date in 2025 or 2026. What I would say to uh, who was the uh, person writing in, Aaron, if you bought this one with that long-term time frame and the expectation that it's going to be a bumpy ride, well, you just hold on to it and ride it out because nothing's changed. I, again, I agree with David. Nothing has really changed. Okay, some costs are going to need to be fiddled around at the edges and they'll need to find a way to do things a little bit more efficiently. But that's every miner at this stage of the of the process. Um, so I would say keep holding uh, and ride it out um, if that's the reason why you originally bought the stock. And David, I've got to say, remember last time you were on and you were telling us about Phoenix? Yes. We ended up speaking with the CEO about a week later. Um, yeah, you can go back and listen to it. It's online, F-E-N-I-X. And I also realized it's called Phoenix. Yes. Well, <laughs> I thought I'd pass that along to you. Well, that's what I've been calling it. But then I've heard the CEO call it Phoenix. Yeah. And I was like, well, what do you call, What is the proper? <laughs> it could have been the exec chair. I but don't know. But that's exactly what I've been uh, calling yeah. it. <laughs> I came away from that and I thought, oh, I should remember to tell David. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, could have done that in the break. Let's get on to our next company, IDP Education. This is for Bell, I-E-L. No context here. Chris Conway, I'll start with you on IDP Education because this is one that, you know, techie also speaks to the whole education theme, international students theme, which we know uh, the thematic through the pandemic. But IDP's actually come out pretty well. What do you make of it as a, an investment prospect now? Yeah, I agree with you, Nadine. It has come out well. And it's, I think now you're being provided with an opportunity to buy a pretty solid company at a reasonable price. And it's not often you get to say those two things together. There's some structural drivers in terms of the recovery of international students that should be a benefit. Um, They've recently been making some acquisitions and strengthening their position in key markets. Uh, And as you spoke to the tech piece as well, they're really trying to leverage 
their digital capabilities and they've grown these through the pandemic because they realized that people weren't as mobile. So rather than uh, trying to bring people to their uh, opportunity, they're taking their opportunity to wherever the people are and that seems to be um, a very good business model and idea moving forward. Um, so they've got this fast lane product. It's, it's designed to give better outcomes for students uh, and helping them make the right academic choices earlier in their journey. And the early reports are that uh, it's been quite successful and that more, most importantly, the people who are using it, the students actually like it. Um, so actually, uh, again, I quite like this one. I would probably want to see a little bit more positive momentum in the share price. It traded down towards uh, 20 bucks in mid-June. It's up around 25. Probably sort of need to see it pushing towards 30 just to show that it's got some price momentum and some um, um, maybe perhaps some positive news flow and momentum on that front as well. So yeah, I do like it. I'll be looking for an opportunity to buy it, um, but I'd need to see some confirmation of the price before pulling the trigger. 2565 roughly around there so you're saying look for some momentum up around the $30 mark. Yeah, I think so. If it gets up towards that then yeah, I'd be much more willing to um to to have a crack at it. Get uh, David's view then on uh, where you see the trend or the momentum coming through for IDP education David and where if you like it first of all and where you'd be willing to buy. Yeah, look there um they have had great uh, numbers of you know overseas students picking up again post covid and you know 63% of that from asia so you know they they really are uh, their their margins have stabilized at 14% and um oh, sorry their um, return on equity i should say stabilized at 14% from what i'm reading here and their net profit margins have also had a minor lift of 1 to 9% so it's a pretty big range there but yeah. look they they um you know again the, the, the geographical um, um, exposure they've got to Asia for, for learning, English learning, plus they've made an acquisition, I believe, in India. So that's also going to attract more students down the track. The only thing that, two things that prevent me from rating this as a buy right now, and very much in line with what Chris said, number one, the trend there, it has had a, a bit of a, what I call a, um, a, a um, counter trend to the main trend which is obviously down at the moment but so I, I wouldn't be rushing just purely on valuation as well if the, you're looking at the multiples I want to see their um, higher numbers and a lower um, a multiple on the price so at this stage I wouldn't be rushing into buy um, it would be great if this could go back to the lower levels especially where down at the um, the post-covid levels there or pre pre post Look, sorry, pre post down to 2020. Yeah, get it. Can you see what I mean? Yeah. Down there. If it certainly if it got down there, I'd, uh, boy, you'd, uh, you'd you'd be looking at this very closely to buy. But right now, no. Unless the trend changes, which I don't see right now, um, this would be an avoid. Okay. Um, right now, yeah. Got it. Thank you. So that's IDP Education for you, Bell. Let's get to Technology One. This is often again referred to as a quality company, particularly in the Aussie tech space these days. This is for Ryder, David. I'm going to start with you for Technology One (TNE). What do you think? Yeah. Look, this is um, there's some quality businesses this morning. Uh, you know, this one's great. The return on equity has been really strong. Um, you know, cloud-based software solutions uh, for businesses to you know manage their financial bookkeeping, payroll, business analytics. But look, they're um, you know they've got a very stable client base here. You know, 51% government education, 25% healthcare. So they've got a 99% retention rate. Really mm -hmm. sticky, you know. Um, and also, what well, the yield? There's not much. You know, you're not buying this for for yield, it's unfranked around 1.3% or small franking, but really it's about the growth, you know, and they had a revenue increase in the first half of about 11%, annual uh, earnings grew about 2%, so they anticipate 90% of all on-premise customers to, to make the switch to SaaS by 2024. Yep. And they're calling for $500 million in annual recurring revenue per year, yeah. obviously annual, um, by 2026. So that's a goal that they've put out there to market, one that the CEO is very willing uh, you know, mm. to put his, his name behind. Yeah, 10 to 15% uh, forecast growth, that's pretty good. So look, this this one I like. Um, Even at its current price. At the current price, yeah. Look, it's uh, you'd have a stop on this one. I'm just looking at the price here below, just below ten dollars. 
But look, I'd rate this as a buy. I think it uh, could easily go and back, back up and test those highs again. And uh, we'll get their next um, you know, update in mm-hmm. August, of course. So, yeah, look, this is quality business. It's a buy. I love um, when we have a very positive day and there's buys, buys, and all of my guests always sound slightly surprised at themselves for calling it things a buy. Let's find out if Chris Conway would be buying Technology One now. Or David did raise reporting season is coming up. I mean, arguably, Technology One has been sold down in sympathy with a lot of other tech names that don't have quite the financial metrics that it has. But would you potentially wait to see the proof in the pudding come August? Uh, No, Nadine, uh, I would be a buyer of this one as well. Um, The first half was uh, slightly ahead of expectations. Guidance was in line. But they've been through a seismic transformation uh, over the last six to 12 months and, and yourself and David were just talking about. So they've moved from that upfront sales model to a software as a service uh, model and that's you know sort of a pay as you go. The, transla- uh, sorry, the transformation, I should say, has been quite lumpy, but it's essentially now complete. Um, and there's some brokers up and down the street talking about a 10 to 15% year on year revenue growth number when they deliver results. Um, that compares to the last time out for FY21, which is 5%. So it could be a dramatic and significant improvement. Um, we know as well that the cycle will turn for tech at some point. Um, good luck to anyone out there trying to guess exactly when that will be. Um, so. I think what you need to do is you need to highlight the quality names in that space if you want to play in the space. And technology one is, well, it certainly fits that bill. And then just pivoting to some of the metrics, um, the ROE uh, already been mentioned in the high 30s. That's exceptional. Anything above 20 is fantastic. Their revenue and earnings per share growth uh, is expected to be strong in future periods as well. And even in the PE, it's on the numbers that I'm looking at are 46 times one year forward number, which is high. Let's face it, it's high but it's far from the most ridiculous PEs that we see in that tech space. So it's a high quality name. I I really quite like it. Um, It's not as demanding as some of the other valuations in this space. And like I said, if you think you're going to pick exactly when the the sentiment towards tech is going to turn, you're probably kidding yourself. So you could buy this one now knowing there's a high quality name then it's likely to report well when it comes out uh, in August. So, yep, I'm a buy too. That's another double buy. What fun are we having so far, gentlemen? Let me wrap up what we've learned now that we're at the halfway mark. And in terms of the stock of the day, Viva Energy, it is a buy for both of my guests. Refining margins going really well. Outlook is good. David likes it. Chris likes it. And David says, look, it's not expensive. There's the opportunity for it to increase its yield as well. Brambles is yet another double buy from my guests that will be going to the investment committee. Chris likes it. And so does David. He says it's a quality business and it's undemanding in terms of the multiple. JB Hi-Fi, though, different story. It's a sell for David Novak from WealthWise Education because there are other places in the market you could potentially be making a dollar when we're in a macro environment of waning consumer demand and margin compression. And yeah, it's the macro forces why Chris wouldn't buy this company. He really likes it. He'd hold it if you had it, if you've missed the sell already. But um, look, he just doesn't think that now is the time to be buying JB Hi-Fi. BCI Minerals, look, Chris was deferring to David, who knows a lot about this company. Chris says he would hold it, though, if you're in it. And when it comes to BCI for David Novak, he says, look, obviously it's facing some of the same inflationary pressures as other miners, but he does think it's still a solid story. He would wait to accumulate, though, until we get an update coming from the company at the end of this month. IDP Education It's a wait for David Novak. He'd be avoiding it right now on the valuation and on the trend. But uh, Chris likes the company. He says it's quality. He would just wait again to see see things improving, see, uh, you know, I suppose a, a, a lift in its share price to justify that things are going right at the company. But he does say that it is quality. Speaking of quality, that's what Technology One is for both of my guests. It's yet another double buy. I can't remember this happening in a very, very long time. So great picks coming from you, our audience. Thank you for that. Let's um, talk about the investment committee because all of those double buys will go to the investment committee. And if you'd like to watch it, it is up online. Just search investment committee. 
Taken out of the portfolio this month was Tyro, Qantas, Frontier Digital Ventures, Tab Corp, although the Lottery Corp stayed in, and Steadfast. So those were all removed. We had to get it back down to 20. Uh, but they did decide to add BAP Corp into the portfolio. And Cash Holdings is now at over 10%, so a bit of money to spend when the when the committee meets again if they so desire. So far, it's down by 6.7% on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March the 1st. But the first stage of all of that is, of course, this program. So please keep sending in your requests and we'll keep putting them to our guests. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Okay, next half hour, what's coming up? We've got uh, BHV for Isla. We've got Mandy asking about BWX, which had a terrible week last week. ARB for Elaine, Jumbo Interactive, and Renergen for Steve. He'd like an update on that company. So let's get to it, shall we? Isla writes about BHP. I feel like I've given up on my ESG filter because of the current market. I'm looking for a stable long-term between five to 10 year holding, which will hopefully be a good combo of growth and income. Does BHP fit the bill? Chris, what do you think about BHP growth and income? Oh, Nadine, there's so much to unpack in Isla's question. I just wanted to say, uh, I understand the ESG filter problem. I recently did some consulting work for a financial planning business that wanted me to build an ESG filter, and it meant that the list of stocks or opportunities here in Australia was incredibly small. So maybe look more broadly, Isla, if you have the capacity to do so. There's lots of great companies overseas. Specific answer to your question, does BHP fit the bill for growth and income over the next five to 10 years? Absolutely not. Um, uh, let's not forget that mining stocks are really long duration trading stocks and they won't give you growth and income over an extended period. Um, we must also me- remember that the dividends that the miners have produced in the last five years have been historic and they likely won't repeat it, won't be repeated, sorry. Um, they have been able to pay such amazing dividends because of the soaring commodity prices. They haven't spent a lot of money on capital expenditure. They haven't developed new mines and things like that. And a lot of them have also um, conducted big asset sales as well and handed money back to shareholders via special dividends. Again, those conditions won't likely be repeated. So I think investors have a real problem coming up when uh, BHP Rio Fortescue trade X, deliver results and then trade X and, you know, they're delivering dividends in the in circa sort of 12 to 18%, depending on which one you're looking at. And then the question becomes, well, do I continue to hold this stock moving forward? You know, at the, are we at the right point in the cycle with global GDP rolling over uh, and uh, and inflation and interest rates going up and, and central banks around the world trying to engineer the economy to slow it down? So that doesn't seem to be a good environment for me at least, for um, mining stocks. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of people flee the register once once these dividends have been paid. Um, I think that's a real risk that investors need to be mindful of is that there'll be lots of people on the register waiting to collect those juicy divs. And then what happens after that, um, if I was a betting man, which obviously I am, I'd bet that the, uh, the miners probably head lower after that as a few people exit. So um, I hope that answers your question, Isla. Good luck with it all. Um, uh, but yeah, probably not BHP for the for the five, 10 year growth and income. Thank you. What do you think, David? See it the same? Yeah, look, I sound like a broken record, but I'm in line with Chris on this one as well. And for the viewer, that uh, it, it, you can't look at BHP as a long-term growth and income stock. It it's all depends on the cycles. And particularly now, because now we just this latest news about China going back into lockdown again, you know, I mean, you know, the... That's again closing down steel mills, and you know, 57% of um, BHP's income is iron ore. And you've got copper, you know, copper prices have been under pressure as well. And then they've got coal, which is about 8%, copper is about 26%. 
So the thing that has been beneficial to the miners, of course, has been the Aussie dollar being where it is below, just below 68 cents at the moment. So that gives a bit of downside hedging. So there's no doubt they're going to come up with a stellar report for the full year and, and, and a nice dividend. You know, So from that point alone, I'd rate it as a hold. And in fact, even if it got lower to lower levels, probably a buy. The next key level on the chart I, I saw is, um, is around $35. So if it got down there, pre um, the August reporting, mm-hmm. I think you know there'd be a bit of buying support down there, particularly for the dividend, which you expect is going to be stellar. So we're approaching around 11% now. Uh, and again, you know, you could look at the earnings multiple and say it's you know, seven times it's ridiculous. But however, in this current environment and looking forward, you can't look at that because um, it all depends on sustainability. And again, they've got you know, other issues in Chile as well with Escondido. They've got COVID and labor shortages, etc. you know, as well. So there's some real challenges for the miners out there. Um, and like I said, it, it really... It depends on China coming out of this lockdown too and that and, and the stimulus measures that they introduced to get steel mills mm-hmm. back up and running. But the iron ore price, I've got to say, compared to the other commodities, have been holding up pretty well at $111, around $111 US with the Aussie dollar. They're still getting a very good margin here, all the iron ore producers. So, you know, again, it comes back to that's their major income revenue stream. So, but at the moment, the trend... You know, it's pretty looking pretty ugly here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the party ended for resources in April, and since then they've all fallen quite sharply. But again, coming down at these levels, I think if you've already got it, look, I'd be holding for the div yeah. um, and and looking to for a technical buy. This is a trader mm-hmm. for more of a trading buy uh, if it got close to. 35. Got it. Thank you. Let's go on to the next question. This is for Mandy and this is BWX saying it's deal with GoTo seems to be hanging by a thread. I have a small parcel. Should I be selling? Well, if you want to talk charts, David, uh, the BWX chart is pretty dismal. Uh, it's it's sort of, yeah. I mean, what do you say? If you've been holding it for a while, do you just hang on to see what happens or sell it? No, well, this is, again, one of the things that um, I've learned over, you know, 35, nearly 40 years now about trends. I uh, wish I'd learned this a lot sooner in my early days, that's that's for sure, is that you don't fight the trend. And, and you know, you look at that chart there, you can see, again, this peaked out in September last year. And really, that was the time to get out when it broke, broke trend here, um, which was wherever that pricing was. I can't quite see, but I think it's around $5. Mm-hmm. So you had to get out. I mean, and it's just accelerated on the downside. There's been huge um, selling uh, at the low. This could be a possible capitulation. But look, not for my money. I, I just look at the numbers. I mean, they're, they're starting to um, to also cut back on their spending. I mean, they've got a you know, pretty good revenue forecast here of 260 to 270 million. But again, they're still running at a loss. You know, um, they're not making a profit. Um, they have got, you know, their, mo- their, their global reach is mostly Asia with their skincare business. Um, I don't know, do you buy any of their skincare products? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, think look, I have when they've been on sale before, that was it. Yeah, they did a capital raising recently as well. Um, I think it was about 60 cents, I believe. So, you know. So that's a sell for Mandy. Yeah. Cut your losses. Cut your losses. Um, I wouldn't be holding a hoping on this one. Great. Chris, what do you think? Uh, get out as fast as you can yeah. <laughs> is, the, is the short answer. Uh, everything's wrong with this company at the moment. Um, I'm sure the products are fine, but they cut their revenue forecast. Uh, they talked about the need for urgent balance sheet repair. They very hastily raised $23 million to pay down some debts. And the go-to deal, as Mandy rightly points out, has been an absolute disaster. So they bought 50% of that company or 50.1% for about $90 million. Uh, if they want to exercise the rest of it, or more importantly, it's, it's Zoe Foster Blake's company. If she wants to exercise her put option in 2024, uh, apparently that's worth around another $90 million. Now, if the company buys that, if they raise capital to buy that um, at the current price, they dilute the shareholders by another 50%. So they're going to be working very hard to figure out a way out of that deal, um, as well they should. Um, so, yeah, they, I just... Yeah, there's nothing going right for this company at the moment. Again, I don't, I don't want to 
say anything bad yeah. or offensive about it. And the products are probably fine, but they just find themselves in a very uh, unfortunate situation. And I, uh, yeah, I just couldn't buy it at this point in time. Got it. It's a Thank sell you. For me. Sorry, Mandy, but that's a that's a sell. That's a get out while you can. All right, let's get to the next on the list. A- a- Elaine, ARB. Chris, I've known you for a while. I believe you may have some ARB paraphernalia somewhere in your garage. And uh, it's been an interesting one, isn't it? You know, real winner through the COVID pandemic, but uh, it's been sold off heavily. Do you think it's been treated too harshly by the market? Uh, no, Nadine. We are both keen four-wheel drive uh, uh, people. So, um, yes, I have talked to you about my, my truck in the past, and I do have some ARB equipment, and I'm, I stand by it. It's it's the most uh, fantastic equipment out there. It's market-leading. But I can't escape the fact that for this one, again, it's in that consumer discretionary space. It benefited greatly from the fact that we were all um, – we were all homebound and we were looking at traveling within a certain range during COVID and that involved, uh, you know, having our trucks, tricking them out, attaching a trailer to the back of it. And now that uh, COVID is, well, it's not over, but certainly um, certainly our sights have been lifted, shall we say, and we're looking more now to international travel as opposed to regional or mm-hmm. local travel. And that is the major driver for me. Throw into the mix that you've got throwing, uh, sorry, slowing uh, new car sales and uh, and it just doesn't look great. I mean, they had that downgrade uh, in March, I think it was, uh, on the back of their March quarter, sorry, from $730 million into $700 million. Um, so they themselves have already talked about the fact that uh, things will be more challenging moving forward. Uh, and once again, the trend is uh, the trend is not good for this one. So, um, yeah, I would still be a seller of this one at this point. I need to see a lot more bullish momentum. And this is certainly one where I'd be waiting for the results in the upcoming reporting season to see uh, just how the company has been faring yeah got it david arb yeah look this is another good quality business um you know and their, their growth has been stunning however again coming back to um what uh, chris alluded to there was their supply constraints getting new vehicles in i mean they is, is hampering their growth somewhat but they you know they're really clever because they built up their inventory levels um before the you know we had further supply constraints so the management are excellent. The founders um, have, you know, still a strong holding in the company. They haven't sold down any shares. That's one of the things you always look mm-hmm. for. Um, they've got 10%, so they haven't been selling, and they're holding. I mean, the the valuation. Uh, there's brokers, six brokers out there have a valuation that's you know 25% higher. But again, um, given the the supply constraint issues, um, you know, global growth, all the rest of the stuff that we've been talking about. Um, this and the trend right now. I mean, I'd certainly keep this on my watch list. This is a great business, and I'd be looking for an opportunity to buy at the right time. Whether you'd hold it or not, um, again, I don't like to hold and hope. You know, I just don't. It's it's like if the trend turns down. I mean, there was a get out of. You had to get out of. Again, this comes back to you've always got to have an exit strategy, and really. You know, it was sort of up here at the, where it was about $50 yeah. was the, the get out um, place to exit. This is one thing that most investors do not have out there that I've discovered over teaching over more than 25 years is they don't have an exit strategy. You know, first of all, you've got to have a, a good entry strategy, mm-hmm. but more importantly, an exit strategy when things turn down. So, you know, um, right now this is not a buy, um, but again, would I be holding it? Oof, it's a tough, you know. Totally depends on when you bought in. It's, ex- it's too, yeah, exactly. You know, it's hard to say. Exactly. All That's right. right. Let's leave it at that and let those words of wisdom resonate with you folks. Exit plan, exit plan, exit plan. Think of that. All right. The next one on the list is Jumbo Interactive, and this one is for Kyle. Jumbo Interactive, J-I-N. Uh, what do you make of it, David Novak from Wealthwise Education? Well, great. Um, their revenue growth in the first half ex- expanded by 28%, so pretty strong. You know, lotteries, people obviously hope to win. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, when things, golden ticket. when things turn down, everybody runs, rushes out there and buys Powerball. That's the exit plan. You know, that's the exit plan. <laughs> exactly. Tats Lotto, Oz Lotto, etc. But look, they're fantastic return. Again, return on equity. I mean, the dividend yield just under 3%, fully franked. I mean, thirty-six percent return on equity as well, and twenty-eight percent growth in annualized revenue. I mean, there's nothing not to like about this. So, you know, their free cash flow was fifty-nine cents a share as well. Um, 
and uh, you know their payout ratio on dividends is 80%. So just looking at the numbers here again, there, you know, it's not undemanding. I mean, it is on a high multiple, about 30 times, but it's you know. I think the brokers have consensus target price of about $20. Uh, I've got 18 okay. here. So it's about 16, 17% higher than where it is. Uh, it looks like it's it's starting to try and turn up here. So look, um, I would, uh, I, I, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't be adverse to a buy on this. I, I think given the numbers in the in the first half, I think uh, again, coming up to the second half, I'd expect, I wouldn't expect much change, or difference I should say. But look, the trend has just been pretty moderate here. You can see for the last, pretty much mm-hmm. last year. But I, 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 I'd rate this as a buy, actually. We've got it as a buy. Let's see if Chris agrees. Jumbo Interactive. I do agree. Another <laughs> double buy. Uh, yeah, I really like this one. Um, I was reading some research recently, and it was a bit US-centric, but it relates to uh, here in Australia as well, that uh, lottery products are incredibly resilient through the economic cycle. They don't fall off the way that other gambling products do in terms of sports betting or casino gaming. Uh, and in fact, there are certain instances where um, they, the growth actually gets better. Like you guys were just saying, everyone thinks, uh, oh, times are tough, I'll go and have a, a punt on a lottery. So um, uh, that's a positive. They also have a really strong growth opportunity in terms of their software as a service offering. So just as BetMakers provides the infrastructure for sports betting, websites these guys provide the infrastructure for um, uh, lottery offerings and the big opportunity is in the US uh, with iLottery it's about a five billion dollar market it's growing at around six percent per year and there's 14 jurisdictions in the US that have currently adopted iLottery or legalized iLottery I should say Uh, And there's another 46 jurisdictions where uh, it's still pending. So the size of the opportunity there is considerable. So it's not just about when we see those $30 million jackpots and these guys are getting a piece of that ticket, but it's also the, uh, as I say, the software as a service offering. So uh, I think there's plenty of upside in this one, Um, a good base. uh, And uh, as David was just talking about, has turned lower off the bottom in terms of the share price. So it's starting to gain some momentum on that front as well. So another double buy. Well, we are on a roll, gentlemen. Let's round it up with number 10. So Steve has written in on Renergen. RLT is the ticker code saying he'd like an update on the company. So just yesterday, I think it was yesterday, it um, achieved a milestone. So it's got a natural gas to plant successfully achieved in South Africa. So it opened a main inlet line from gas gathering system to the production plant, then to the natural gas filtration and pre-compression system. So it looks as if it's making some good uh, Uh, headway at least on that project and uh, when I look at the chart it doesn't look too shabby Um, what do you think of Renogen Chris I quite like it Nadine Uh, it is at a a certain point in the risk spectrum but we'll get to that in just a moment but yeah they hit that milestone yesterday uh, in terms of piping the gas in as you were just talking about and basically what that uh, does it ensures the plant is safe enough so that they can take it to the next stage, the all important stage uh, of full commissioning. And they now expect to start commercial operations once uh, their customers are ready to accept products. So that's all gone very well. The other thing that de-risks it a little bit is the fact that it's it's very well funded. So they recently struck a deal with the US Development Finance Corporation for a loan of half a billion dollars. And there's three other lenders that they're talking to as well um, with early commitments or letters of interest, I should say, uh, for a combined $600 million. So those two events, like I say, have really de-risked this project and this company. And if you're willing to take on the risk of buying a company at this stage of its cycle, again, let's not let's not forget the fact that they're they're still working the process and they haven't um, they haven't fully commenced commercial operations. But everything is moving in the right direction, and I think that's reflected in the share price. So for anyone who's willing to take on a company at this point in the cycle, like I was saying, I think this is a buy as well. If you if you're happy with that type of risk, um, then uh, you know there's plenty of, of upside potentially on offer from this from this level. David, up to you on Renogen. Yeah, look, this is a really interesting one I uh, haven't looked at before, but, you know, helium. I yeah. mean, helium to replace coal. Um, so, you know, there's um, a big market there. I mean, they, again, it's uh, as Chris said, the, 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 
they they'll stop producing at the end of this this month. But the other thing I like is Ivanhoe Mines, a big Canadian-based metals producer, has become a 4.35% shareholder in the company. Um, and they did an equity raising where they issued 5.6 million shares at 35.6 rand, which is approximately $3.24 Aussie, which is about where the share price is, I believe. Um, the trend has been holding up incredibly well. So obviously there's um, shareholders are optimistic about the outlook of the future of this company. Hasn't made any profit, of course. I mean, however, you know, they, they are carrying some debt at uh, about approximately, when I translated it back, is around 72 million. They've got negative cash flow about four and a half each quarter. However, you know, they've got Ivanhoe, you know, they've come in, uh, I mean, you know, to support the company, multi-billion dollar corporation, and they're giving them like the opportunity if they want to take up, you know, to, to provide another 250 million mm -hmm. US dollars if they need it, and which they obviously will in the future, um, if they raise more shares at, um, at a premium as well. So given that you've got that kind of backing and support and, you know, with Helium, because so this is a whole new industry, um, so it, it, it is a speculative, look, I'll put it down as a speculative buy um, because it hasn't, you know, they haven't commercialized it yet, but they're approaching it at the end of this month. And, you know, I'd like to see their, their numbers, their cash flow numbers going forward and profit margins. So very interesting story, this one, and one to, um, you know, keep a, keep a close eye on, I think. There you go. We've got another. Now, this one comes with a caveat. It's a specy buy. You have to take, uh, take control of your risk appetite or gauge your risk appetite for this one. But that is yet another positive endorsement from my expert guests today. We're at the end of the program. Let me just run you through what we've learned. So BHP for capital growth and dividends, it's a no. David would hold it if you have it until after earnings. And if the share price drops to about $35, round about there pre result might be worth a bit of a trading stock because keep in mind it's got that 11% dividend yield lots of cash coming in the door still in this reporting period BWX is a sell sell Mandy uh, Elaine ARB it's a sell for uh, for Chris and as well for um, for David but David will keep it on his watch list they both like the company both like management it's just not the right time in the cycle and that is where David got serious about his exit plan if you're already in it you should have already exited ARB before now. Jumbo Interactive, another double buy. And Ren Renergen, excuse me, a double buy as well. Specky and Risky, but an interesting company that has some big backers. David Novak, Wealthwise Education, thank you so much My for joining pleasure. us. Thank always you. a pleasure. That was good. And Chris Conway from Marcus Today. As always, nice to see you. I'm sure we'll see you in Sydney one of these days. Welcome anytime. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nadine. Okay, and thank you for watching. It's been great to have you along. It's been great to get those stock suggestions from you as well. Please do email us if it's a big company, a quality company, one you're hoping will be a quality company, to the call at osbiz.com.au. And you can check out that portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Don't go anywhere. We will check the market and we will get you across the small caps next. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.